This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, August 29th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. OpenAI is expanding its chatbot reach, moving into the business sector. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, it's a busy day of data, including the latest numbers on home prices, job openings, and consumer confidence. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Carl Ricadana. Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. Lots of numbers to digest this afternoon. And let's begin with that report, the uh, the JOLTS report, they call it, and the number of uh, job openings falling below 9 million for the first time in over two years. If you're a firm believer in the soft landing scenario, this is something you want to see, Carl. A little bit of steam going out of the labor market without people losing their jobs. Well, good afternoon. It is uh, something you would want to see in the soft landing camp, but it's also something you would be looking for if you're anticipating recession uh, coming up uh, sometime soon as well. Uh, So it really depends on how this cooling labor trend uh, continues. Is it an orderly fashion where we don't get a material backup in the unemployment rate? There's your soft landing. If it's a little bit disruptive, which it typically is disruptive, Uh, then this could be the beginning of the downward drift to something that could look like a recession uh, maybe uh, later this year or in the the first part of next year. All of this data, whether we're looking at the the confidence data today, the jolts data, uh, all of this is setting the tone for this Friday's report on uh, employment and uh, the unemployment rate, uh, which will be uh, Friday morning at 830 Eastern. Before we talk about uh, the, the, the consumer confidence, is the JOLTS report a reliable canary in the coal mine, historically speaking, about uh, labor and economic trends? Well, it's a little bit slow to be reported, so I wouldn't say it's the canary in the coal mine after all. The numbers we're looking at today uh, are really uh, July data, so that's telling us uh, you know, the preconditions for a jobs report we already saw uh, at the beginning of this month. Uh, nonetheless, the, the change in the trend does tell you something about uh, the direction that hiring managers and CEOs and CFOs and small business owners uh, are trending in as they assess the macro landscape and decide what their staffing needs are uh, for future uh, future months and quarters. Uh, so it does give us some, some sense uh, that uh, labor conditions indeed are cooling. What I would watch for as a canary in the coal mine, so to speak, uh, is the weekly data on unemployment benefit filings. Uh, that tends to be one of the first movers when labor conditions really start to break down at the onset of a recession. And to this point, 
uh, it has been holding up in a very resilient fashion. Talking to Carl Ricadana, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Let's talk about consumer confidence for just a moment here. Uh, the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index shows that uh, Americans' attitudes toward the economy uh, soured in recent weeks. And 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 what is really uh, driving this discontent? Well, it was a striking souring as we saw the uh, headline index dropping uh, about eight percentage points, both the assessment of future expectations as well as current conditions uh, falling off uh, pretty hard here. Uh, and so this uh, this tells us that uh, for a confluence of reasons, I think, uh, gas prices uh, moved higher in the month of August. Uh, we have the resumption of student loan payments uh, looming on the horizon at the beginning of October. So a lot of uh, households will be focusing on that on an increasing fashion uh, over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, on top of all of that, we do see that uh, households are rapidly depleting those savings that they uh, piled up during the course of the pandemic. Uh, the, what we call excess savings. Uh, those excess savings uh, are starting to run out for the, the, the lowest, actually the lowest three quintiles uh, by income classification. Uh, and so this is something that we're seeing reflected in a lot of economic data, including the uh, anecdotes from uh, earnings season as retailers uh, from Macy's to Foot Locker to Target are talking about increased price sensitivity uh, especially from their uh, lower income tier of shoppers. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. OpenAI has launched ChatGPT Enterprise, designed for businesses. Let's learn more from Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Shelley, thank you for joining us today. How does ChatGPT Enterprise differ from the chat GPT we're familiar with, and what kind of a difference will this make for business? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, chat GPT comes in two flavors, the free version and the $20 a month plus version. The $20 a month plus version gets you plugins, gets you code interpreter, and uh, gives you a certain amount of queries per hour that you can talk to chat GPT with. The enterprise version has a bunch of other really important features. First of all, you can add your own data and keep it private and sovereign so that you can not only use ChatGPT to query the larger GPT-4 model, but that model can talk to your data as well. They're offering encrypted conversations, which is really good. It's SOC 2 compliant. All of the people in um, computer security will really appreciate that. And they also give you access to their API, which will allow you to build your own tools that use your data and leverage ChatGPT and GPT-4. So it's a pretty impressive array of capabilities. Uh, the pricing is uh, behind a, uh, a button you have to click to contact sales, so it's unclear what it's going to cost on a per-seed basis. But it is the right offer at the right time. We're talking to Shelley Palmer, uh, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at Syracuse University. So then what does this mean in a practical sense in the office? How are you going to encounter this uh, if, you're, uh, if, if, if your place of employment does sign up as a customer? So everybody has a way that they access data now. And if you need a complex report for sales or sales research or you're trying to make a presentation to a client, you will 
have your, if you have a data scientist, you'll tell them the story. If you have a SQL program or using SQL Server, you'll talk to a database person who will go query the data for you, and someone will write you a report, and if that report makes um, sense to you, you might present it, or you may send it back and say, hey, that wasn't the data I needed. But with this tool, with uh, ChatGPT Enterprise, you would be able to talk directly to your data using plain language. So you could say, hey, uh, what were the sales in Idaho last week? And what would we need to do to increase them if we had this, 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 and this? And rather than translate that into a database language and ask the query in ma using mathematics in a query language, you could just speak to your data. So the ability to talk to data and get, instead of it taking a couple of days or a couple of hours for someone else to do the work, for you just to get in a few seconds back the information you're looking for, this is a productivity increase we haven't seen ever pretty impressive well especially since uh, businesses and across the entire economic spectrum just have much more data available to them today than they had at any point in the history of mankind yeah and then by the way the velocity of data is increasing and will always increase this tool won't help you if your data is a mess or if you don't have control of it so good data governance good data hygiene good data policies the better you are at that, the better this tool is going to work for you. But at the end of the day, productivity is the key driver of economic success. And this is going to be an incredible productivity driver. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communication at Syracuse University. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, an update on gas prices ahead of the Labor Day weekend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Labor Day weekend is just around the corner, and there are several factors which could send gas prices higher. Let's check the forecast with Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at the Price Group and a Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thank you for joining us today. Hurricane Idalia is on its way to the Florida Gulf Coast and on top of the calls for people who are in the cone of uncertainty to uh, get to higher ground away from the storm and away from the storm surge is the uh, possibility that it could disrupt oil production in the Gulf Coast. And, you know, Phil, historically when a hurricane comes ashore, how long does it take for uh, futures traders and analysts to realize that, uh, to assess the damage to uh, oil production producing infrastructure? Sometimes they anticipate it before it even happens. And that's what futures markets do sometimes. So we're already seeing the market react uh, to the possibility of, of how this is going to play out in the real world. Uh, we are seeing reports right now that for precautionary purposes, they're shutting down some oil platforms, uh, taking off some personnel. But the good news is, is the track of the storm right now doesn't look like it's going to hit any major oil infrastructure. So for the rest of the country, that's good news. Obviously, for Florida, they still have significant challenges ahead of them. Gas price is already at three eighty-two a gallon. That is the second highest price for this time of year since at least 2004, which uh, for those of you who have uh, longer memories probably remember that was the, uh, the, the, the late summer in which uh, Florida got hit by, what was it, four hurricanes in a row? Right, exactly. And, and the interesting thing about that, those storms hit right around Labor Day every year, right? This is the high point for these storms. And when they hit that, uh, you know, it, every storm is different. Sometimes storms do more damage to the oil production and the platforms and the refineries, and that could lead to extended higher prices. Other storms do more damage to 
demand. You know, for example, when you shut down cities and nobody's driving because they're underwater or they can't get electricity, you know, the demand drops. From this viewpoint, this storm looks like it's going to be more of a demand destruction storm as far as an oil destruction storm. So the rest of the country, while we'll see some impact from the storm on prices, generally it's going to probably eventually put more downward pressure on prices and upward pressures, at least from the storm. And then, of course, uh, Labor Day weekend is here, the last hurrah for all of your summer travel. Uh, at least uh, that's what tradition says. So there will be, a, a, outside of wherever the, the storm is going to, to, to find land, and there's going to be a great deal of demand for gas as people get those last road trips in. Uh, what's the state of the oil and the gasoline market right now? It seems like after that uh, whole year of uh, volatility in 2022, it's kind of settled into some type of equilibrium that gas is just kind of, or oil at least, is now consistently uh, around $80 a barrel, give or take. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's a false sense of security. I mean, we did release a lot of oil from the strategic war reserve. It kept prices down, but that oil's gone and we're seeing supply start to tighten. Uh, you know, we're expecting Labor Day travel would be up, you know, 4% over a year ago. If the weather impacts that, it might be a little less. But one of the things you want to look at is air travel, which is supposed to be up like 44% over a year ago. So the demand is going to be there, but you're absolutely right. When you look at um, the Labor Day holiday weekend and gasoline prices, it seems like prices have been stable, but I'm concerned, you know, as we get in later into the year and oil supplies tighten, we have some upside risk to prices. Now, gasoline prices, summer is over, prices go down, but that doesn't mean they're going to come down dramatically. I still think we're going to see higher prices this year. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at The Price Group and a Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, seeking out the best fall colors in the Midwest. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Florida braces for the arrival of a strengthening Hurricane Idalia. Chicago firefighters offer a final salute to a colleague who died from injury suffered while fighting a fire earlier this month. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. We'll take a look at the best spots in the Midwest to view fall colors. And more workplaces are dealing with the annoying issue of the loud laborer. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 235 points. The Nasdaq is up 223. And the S&P 500 is up 56. We have 77 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies going up to 82. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Florida facing the likelihood of devastating weather from an inbound hurricane. CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula has the latest. Idalia has grown into a hurricane. 
threatening to bring deadly storm surge and dangerous winds to Florida's Gulf Coast. It's expected to slam into the Big Bend area on Wednesday. Florida Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie says people need to get ready. People are going to experience issues with this from trees down, power being shut down, heavy rains are on the east side of this storm. It's going to be a very fast-moving storm. Evacuations have been ordered in nearly two dozen Florida counties ahead of the storm. Jim Crisula, CBS News. Chicago firefighters paid tribute today to their colleague, Lieutenant Kevin Ward, who died more than two weeks after he was injured while fighting a house fire near O'Hare. The details from WBBM's Terry Keshner. First responders from all over the area on hand to pay respects and lead this procession. Maywood, North Riverside, Brookfield, Hillside, and of course, Chicago. The familiar sight of a huge American flag draped between two fire trucks. Then we saw the solemn procession as the body of Lieutenant Kevin Ward was taken from the medical center in an ambulance onto First Avenue, escorted by fellow first responders while others stood in solemn salute. Lieutenant Ward was a Chicago firefighter for 27 years. He was 59 years old. In the western suburbs, Terry Keshner, 105.9 WBBM. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues and the markets are higher today. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Larry Adam, Chief Investment Officer with Raymond James in Baltimore, Maryland. Larry, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the noon business hour. And it seems like uh, the markets are still riding the momentum from yesterday's rally. Yeah, we're in one of those markets, Rob, where bad news is good news. And the reason for that is that this morning, uh, jolts or job openings were lower than what people expected, and confidence is starting to slow. And what that means is that the Fed is probably likely either close to, if not done, their tightening cycle. And that's a good thing for the markets. Now, there have been a lot of predictions in the past that maybe this is going to be the data point or these are the data points uh, that will lead to the uh, Fed maybe uh, ending their tightening cycle and potentially cutting interest rates uh, five or six months down the road. And then you find out there's another flare up in the economy. Uh, it, it starts roaring again and those predictions do not come to pass. Is this different compared to, let's say, six or seven months ago? Well, I definitely think the economy is slowing. In fact, we still think that we could see a mild recession by the end of this year, early next year. And one of the reasons for that is that if you think about it, it, as expected, the summer was pretty robust, right? Everybody was going on vacation. We had what we call the summer of travel revenge, too. But when I think as we get closer to the end of this year, where all those excess savings that people had started to evaporate, job growth starts to slow, things continue to be expensive, I think the consumer could be challenged, and that could take us into a mild recession. And then what are some of the darlings uh, today? What's really driving the rally? Well, what's driving the rally is really the, the big cap stocks once again. You know, as interest rates fall, which they've done because of that weaker than expected uh, economic data, that's really what's driving the market. It's been tech, consumer discretionary, and those types of areas that have been lagging here over the last couple of weeks. Now, does the potential exist for, uh, for, for new information later this week to uh, derail the what's well, been a strong start for the, uh, to the trading week uh, as we start seeing more uh, uh, inflationary numbers coming out or numbers pertaining to inflation? For example, uh, the PCE report that's down the road. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Thursday, you do get that PCE number, and that's a really important number because that's the one that the Fed particularly keeps its eye on. 
And there's a high probability that you actually start to see it tick up this particular reading of it. And that could start to frazzle the market a bit. And then on Friday, we do get the jobs numbers. And we're expecting those numbers to slow, which would probably, once again, just further cement some of the job opening data that you saw this morning. But those are two key data points that I would keep a close eye on the rest of this week. And then uh, very quickly, uh, talking about uh, risk down the road, if there is a mild recession later this year or early next year, are there any concerns about stagflation or is it pretty much believed that uh, inflation will go down or start to really uh, 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 go out of the economy as the economy slows down? No, we're with the latter there. We agree that inflation will continue its downward trajectory. You're seeing it when you go shopping. You're seeing prices go lower. Uh, as we get into next year, I think you're going to see those shelter prices or rental uh, prices that people have been paying. Those will start to go lower. And I do think that if we do have a recession, it's going to be mild compared to what we've had in the past. We're looking for GDP growth to contract by about a half a percent, just to give you some perspective. Historically, it contracts by about two and a half percent. So a very mild recession, we think, unfolds. Larry Adams, uh, Larry Adam, Chief Investment Officer at Raymond James at the uh, home of the American League Best uh, Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore, Maryland. Larry, thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, making the most out of autumn in Illinois and the Midwest. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and it's the time of year to plan for a visit to view the changing colors in the Midwest. Let's get some suggestions from Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Cindy, thanks for, thank you for joining us today. Of course, uh, Labor Day weekend is coming up, and we're all trying to squeeze uh, those last drops of summer before uh, the temperatures drop and the leaves start to fall, and we walk around town in fleeces and pumpkin spice lattes. I'm doing this, Cindy, to get people in the proper frame of mind to plan for that fall colors trip right now because hotel rooms and parks start to fill up. They certainly do. And I'm a big believer in making your reservation as soon as you know you're going to have time to go and just pick, uh, you know, make sure that it's refundable. So if your plans change, you can get your money back from the hotel. But if you want to go someplace really you know, magical like uh, Mackinac Island or even northern Michigan, Door County. Those places are perennial favorites for fall colors, and you need to book as soon as you can. And uh, the Farmer's Almanac says that the peak fall colors in the Midwest uh, for Wisconsin, uh, mid to late October, Michigan, beginning of October, and Mm -hmm. then uh, Illinois and Indiana, basically the entire month of October. So uh, let's start looking ahead to maybe mid-semester break time, if your family has that, to book that Door County or Mackinac Island trip. Well, so what you know, what you need to know is that the colors go south, right? So the earlier fall colors are going to be in places like Mackinac Island. So it could even be, and you know, the weather's been a little odd this year. I've already had a nice yellow leaf on my back deck camping just the other day. Um, it could come a little earlier this year. So if you want to go place like Mackinac, you want to go more toward the first of October. But as the, uh, you know, as the you travel further south. You can go, you can book later in the season to go to a place like, um, you know, New Buffalo, Southwest Michigan, Manistee National Forest, which is gorgeous in the fall. But if you really have to go later, then you want to look even further south. You might think about places like Park County, Indiana, 
which does the Covered Bridge Festival in October. And you can even go all the way into November if you go south to, say, Tennessee, the Great Smoky Mountains, and at the lower elevations, the colors can last well into November. We're talking to Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com. Now, we talk about north, uh, uh, Manistee National Forest in Michigan, and then uh, Mackinac Island for all the uh, biking-slash-horse-carriage-slash-fudge uh, uh, enthusiasts among us. But uh, there are some places to go and some incredible sights to see if you go west of Chicago, especially maybe Galena, the Quad Cities in Iowa. And as a a, a grizzled veteran of uh, drives on Highway 20, uh, I could tell you that once you get out into the peaks and valleys in western Illinois and and the fall colors out that way, it's an amazing sight to see. Oh, it really is. You know, you can take that road along the Mississippi River and it's just beautiful. The the um, the topography changes. There are different colors of trees. You can look out across the river. It, it can be quite a magical drive. Now, what are some of the uh, places to see, especially if you're going uh, out in the direction of Galena or maybe Dubuque or into Iowa? You know, what are some of the fall favorites uh, in that direction? Well, I'm actually a big fan of fan of the Quad Cities. There's a lot to do in the Quad Cities. Um, it's super affordable, and it's all along the river. So you can find places to stay over there. Um, there are resorts uh, that are uh, probably already booked up, frankly, by now. But there are small little inns that you can stay along the river that are just beautiful. I my my recommendation always in the fall is to figure out when you can go. Then Google that place and see, you know, start looking around for hotels that are still available if you're going to try to do it as an overnight. And the other good thing to remember is there's a lot of places very close to Chicago. So if there, if you can't get to a place where you can have an overnight weekend getaway, um, you know, you can always you're always going to be able to do a day trip to some of the closer in places like Lake Geneva or um, my favorite place uh, to hike Star Rock State Park. And uh, Cindy, if I can throw in an endorsement too, uh, if you are going out to Galena, especially with kids uh, for a fall colors trip, be sure to check out the Mississippi River Science Center. It's uh, part aquarium, part science museum, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I took my three girls there back in April and they had a great time. Well, that's terrific. I haven't been there. That's a great recommendation. I'm going to have to check it out. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, big-mouthed workers who are hurting productivity. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Workplace productivity faces an embedded enemy, people who talk a big game but don't get much done. We welcome in Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. They're called loud laborers, and while this may have a new name, this sounds like a phenomenon that's been around since the uh, the very first office. Yeah, well, Shakespeare, methinks thou doth protest too much. I mean, this has been around a long time. So what? Uh, how, how do you suss out uh, a loud laborer in the office? And, and how do you, as a manager, uh, make sure they've gone from talking about how much work they do to actually doing the work? Yeah, well, this, this is a very tricky subject because confirmation bias really fits nicely into this. If I'm a senior executive and I want to uh, dismiss what are complaints about the workload, I can easily label them as loud laborers. And I'm not saying they aren't, they aren't out there, 
But there's really like four different kinds of complaining. There's a productive sort of complaining, whereas, hey, you know, it's really tough to hit this target given these circumstances that have changed. And that's that's productive, something you can collaborate on and work on. <clears throat> there's also venting where someone just needs to unload a little bit about something that's uniquely has happened. You know, two people have gone off on maternity leave and they have to carry the load. Uh, and that, again, is just kind of a venting. And that means that they need to be heard. And you need to listen to them and you need to I- identify how much of that workload is going to be uh, taken back at some point or is it going to be a more of a permanent thing. And then there's chronic and, and chronic complaining is when it's when you just that's who they are. They just complain. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily completely disengaged, but there's certainly a it's a bellwether. It's a lightning rod for trouble. Uh, are they representing other people's emotions and other people feeling burned out? They just happen to be the one who's willing to to step up and complain. The worst one, though, is the malicious, sort of the toxic, selfish complaining. The best uh, remedy for all these is to actually understand the value of the employee and their actual productivity. Uh, That often comes not so much from their boss, but from their peers. How do their peers view them? Are they actually somebody who does get work done in looking at their actual productivity? And then have there been any unique changes in either their work environment or the organization as a whole which would create this, but it's not an easy thing to diagnose. It takes a lot of time and energy and a willingness to put your biases aside to figure it out. And then very quickly, Rick, what about people who uh, engage in loud labor because they feel like they have to, they have to sound like they're busy. They have to sound like they're really doing a lot of work, uh, more or less for keeping up appearances that their Mm -hmm. workload is no better or worse than anybody else's, but they have to sound like they're really hustling. Well, I think I think that's a decision that management has to make. They have to make a decision about whether that there is a, the penalties for someone who complains all the time and needs to be needs the attention and what that does to the culture of that department or that work environment versus their actual productivity. And uh, as much as I hate to say it, sometimes you you know you got to get rid of the bad apples so the rest of the apples don't go. And if you need to get rid of somebody because they can't fit the culture and they're not they're they're Individual productivity productivity costs productivity from five other people. The, the net is a loss. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm 2Discern, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.